Once upon a time, WeWork was one of the most highly valued startups. And it wasn't just an office leasing company. It was a company that thought it would change the world. I mean, it was going to do everything, be everything to everybody. And it was guzzling an endless amount of money to get there. But after a messy try at an IPO, its co-founder, Adam Newman, dramatically fell from grace. He was pushed out of power by the board and by WeWork's largest shareholder, SoftBank. And since then, SoftBank has been battling lawsuits from Newman and other shareholders while trying to get WeWork back on its feet. Now it's a real estate company, pretty traditional. I mean, it looks millennial and modern, but it's really in the business of subleasing office space and renting it out to big companies and to entrepreneurs. It's not trying to elevate the world's consciousness. It's just giving people somewhere to work. Last week, Newman and SoftBank finally seemed to have reached a resolution. And WeWork could be trying to go public again. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, March 3rd. Coming up on the show... What happened with WeWork after its IPO collapsed? And how the current stock market frenzy might give WeWork another path to the market. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. Let's go back in time. WeWork was this highly valued startup, and then everything blew up in 2019. Can you remind us what happened? Sure. Our colleague Maureen Farrell has covered WeWork for years. So yes, they were a high-flying startup, literally on top of the world. WeWork was all over the world. It was a global business. And basically it was subleasing office space, which is not the most interesting business you would think. But if you've been into a WeWork, they objectively look pretty awesome. There's all this cool stuff going on. They have, um, I don't know, fruit water yeah. <laughs> like with cut up fruit in it. And people are like sort of like playing game. I don't know. It's like a fun, it looks fun in there, which is something that Adam Newman, the co-founder, really cultivated. Adam Newman's persona defined the company. And he had grand ambitions to create a movement he wanted to make WeWork more like We Everything, with apartments and schools, like We Live and We Grow. Anybody that wants to be part of something greater than themselves is a member of the We Generation, and the money tends to follow. People called him the millennial whisperer. He knew where work was going. He was like really on top of the world in so many different ways, and you know was theoretically a billionaire. Newman's idea became hugely successful. By 2019, the startup was valued at $47 billion. But when the company tried to go public later that year, it had to release a bunch of financial documents. And the documents didn't look great. Newman had taken millions of dollars in loans out of the company and had almost total control over the board of directors by giving himself extra votes. 
once the broader public could kind of see the numbers of WeWork and certain disclosures that Adam Newman had to make about how much money he had taken out of the company, what he had borrowed from the company, they were losing just as much money, basically, as their revenue. So they were unprofitable, and it just looked like a very uh, dicey company financially. It wasn't just the documents. The Journal reported at the time that Newman had cultivated a party culture at the company. Tequila was present at work meetings, even in the morning. And once, he even got in trouble with the owner of a private jet for hiding pot on an airplane. There was just this crazy wake-up call and, like, horror, essentially. The numbers themselves looked really questionable. Adam was looking questionable. People got very spooked and nervous, and we kind of watched the valuation crumble. And with Newman looking so questionable at this key moment, right before WeWork was set to go public, things just exploded. One problem after another for WeWork. Pressure is mounting for the board to oust CEO Adam Newman. WeWork's going to run out of money in 13 months. This IPO has been a disaster. You're watching the valuation of WeWork drop rapidly. So as we Suddenly, listing on the stock market was off the table. And as for Newman... Within about a week, two weeks, he was out as CEO. With Newman out, one of WeWork's biggest shareholders, a company called SoftBank, took a more active role. They bought a majority stake in WeWork, and they wanted to make sure that Newman was completely gone. He resigned as CEO, but he was still chairman of the board, and he still had these very potent shares, so he could, you know, basically block anything SoftBank would want to do for the company if he wanted to, because he had 10 votes per share versus one vote for everybody else. To get him out, SoftBank was going to have to pay a lot. SoftBank agreed to buy $1 billion worth of Newman's WeWork shares and pay him a $185 million consulting fee. How did people react to that deal? There was true horror at the time. There was an idea that he had run this whole company into the ground, and now you're rewarding him. Many people, advisors, board members, said he made stupid decisions. He took a lot of money out of the company. He did things that were very detrimental to the company, and now he's winning more than anybody else. Meanwhile, SoftBank had a lot of work to do to clean up what Newman had left behind. They started closing and selling off parts of the business that weren't related to co-working, like a company that made wave pools for surfing. He had this very elaborate office. They changed that into a conference room, his wife's as well. So really quickly, there was, you know, things just changed inside the company. They said they would sell Newman's private jet. They renegotiated leases, started closing buildings, and laid off staff to keep costs low. They basically said, we're going to be a real estate company. We're going to sublease office space. And by February 2020, there was a new CEO that SoftBank had helped recruit who was brought in, Sandeep Mathrani, who was a, also it felt pretty significant because he had a background in real estate. So it was just another sign that we're going to be a real estate company. But all these attempts to shore up the finances of WeWork hit a wall last March when the pandemic disrupted the company's entire business model. Of course, in the pandemic... Office spaces closed down anyway, much less people did not want to be somewhere in a dense space. So March, there's a global lockdown, and it just immediately takes a huge toll on the company's business. 
People are canceling their leases, canceling in droves. It was just a, a worry of how long can this company make it in a world like this. And WeWork wasn't the only one that was doing badly. With businesses shuttering around the world, SoftBank was having problems of its own. SoftBank's own stock was taking a huge hit, really dropping precipitously. It dropped by almost half between February and March of 2020, about 50% in less than 30 days. So SoftBank suddenly had a lot less money to spend. That deal they'd made to pay Newman a $185 million consulting fee, they stopped paying it. And they said they weren't going to follow through on their agreement to buy $1 billion worth of Newman stock. They said, we're not going to buy your shares, sorry. Can they do that? No, well, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was explicitly against the terms of the deal that was struck. So why did SoftBank say they did it? So they said that there were, quote, multiple new and significant pending criminal and civil investigations. And they said that those began after the deal was struck in October. And they said that, you know, authorities had been asking for information about WeWork's financing and its business dealings with Adam Newman. So they didn't get into more, but they said that that was one of the key reasons why they reneged on this offer. And they had already basically blown through $10 billion, more than that, that they'd invested. That was the thinking, that SoftBank didn't want to put more into this company that's cratering as a global pandemic hits. How did Adam Newman respond to that? He sued them. He got an army of lawyers and decided to fight back. That fight, after the break. This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. Late last year, the legal fight between Newman and SoftBank started to get ugly. There were signs that two executives of SoftBank, Masayoshi's son and Marcelo Clare, hadn't been playing by the rules. There were some pretty embarrassing revelations for Masayoshi's son and for Marcelo Clare about some of the ways that they tried to kill this deal, basically. Adam Newman and his legal team released some text messages in federal court between Masayoshi Son, the CEO of SoftBank, and Marcelo Clare. And they just talked about how that they were going to postpone paying Adam Newman and other shareholders. And Masa, as he's known, basically texted Marcelo Claré and said, use whatever excuse to make sense. That's what it reads. Like, so basically do whatever it takes. 
And Marcelo Clare texted back. He said, okay, we'll use antitrust. I am turning good at excuses like someone I know very well, smiley face. <laughs> uh, <laughs> As in, I'm getting good at using excuses like you, boss. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So one way to interpret this would be that they decided that they didn't want to pay, and then they came up with a justification for it afterward. Yes. And there was a sense that a lot more had been revealed in discovery, and potentially it could have been very embarrassing for Adam Newman, too. I'm sure there just would have been a lot of revelations on both sides. Did Marcelo Clore or SoftBank CEO Masayoshi Sen comment on that text message exchange? No, they have not. A SoftBank spokesman later said that Newman was just cherry-picking quotes and that the company still didn't have to pay. This was an embarrassing fight for both sides, and one that SoftBank especially wanted to end, because even after the way the first IPO had gone, it still wanted to take WeWork public. The goal of going public is, in general, to raise money, and it gives you a place to raise money and to continue to raise money. It's a, it's a much easier way to do that from public market investors. A big goal of building a company is to get it to the public markets. It's sort of a marquee moment, and it sort of takes you into another world. There's a lot more scrutiny around a company, but also a lot of potential for growth. And because you watch investors buy into it, there's sort of a broader excitement, a broader knowledge of the company, too. So last week, SoftBank made the final move to bring the Newman saga to an end. It settled all of its outstanding lawsuits, including with Newman. SoftBank agreed to pay him the rest of what it owed on that consulting fee. Plus, it would buy back half the shares they'd originally promised. And then there was one more thing. They also said that they would pay his legal fees. Our understanding is these details have not been made public. We've just reported them that he was paid, they paid $50 million for his legal fees. His legal fees were $50 million? <laughs> what That's of, what we've heard. It's, it sounds like a lot by all accounts. What kind of lawyers is he employing? <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> now that Newman's conflict with SoftBank is finally resolved, WeWork can move on and try going public a second time. But this time, WeWork is taking a completely new route to get there. They're using something called a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company, which is basically a shell company that lists on the stock exchange first and then goes out and merges with an existing private company. SPACs are just this absolutely crazy force taking over Wall Street and really changing the whole game of taking companies public. Last we looked, more than half of companies going public this year have done so through SPACs. And WeWork may be a beneficiary of this new era in finance, this new force coming after the public markets. Why is it beneficial for WeWork to go public through a SPAC? With a SPAC, there are a few positive things for WeWork. There's less scrutiny around it. They've sort of come to terms behind closed doors, and then they take it out to the market, and the market weighs in on it. Versus a traditional IPO, when the market over about a month, investors get to like really scrutinize securities filings, regulatory filings. The last time WeWork tried to go public the traditional way, everything blew up for them. And now they're trying to go public in this sort of roundabout way. It's pretty incredible to just show how different the market has been. 
WeWork, it sounds like, has been approached by more than one SPAC talking to them about, you know, potentially taking them public. Our understanding is there's one in particular that they were in pretty intense conversations with. It's called Bow Capital from Bow X Acquisition Corps. People are willing to make bets and really gamble on future companies. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting that they couldn't get out the last time. And now this new, yes, they've changed their business, but this new structure could get them out there quickly. As WeWork gets closer to finally making it on the public market, Marine says that its leaner business model looks like it's starting to work. The company's new CEO recently said he thinks WeWork could be profitable by the end of the year. So the bull case is that WeWork does have this very flexible offering so that if big businesses cut their commercial footprint, you know, realize that they don't need a huge headquarters, maybe half of their employees will work from home, that maybe WeWork could be a huge beneficiary of that. That a lot of these companies could go into WeWorks and say, we'll take three floors, we don't need a huge tower of our own, and our employees can go in and out. So that could help a lot of companies and potentially help WeWork. If that's the bull case, what is the bear case that is not good for WeWork? The bear case is just that there's another question of you sort of learned how to work from home. Are you going to go back in? And do they want to pay for office space now? And for big businesses, maybe they are just cutting their commercial footprint. There are a number of floors that they have, and maybe they don't need a WeWork. Maybe they'll just, everyone's going to scale back on commercial office space and WeWork doesn't benefit or doesn't benefit that much. Who knows where things are going to be in six months, but, you know, it's probably a given that the workplace will never be the same. Even when we start to go back to normal, probably people will not be in offices in the same way they were before. Is this the end of the WeWork drama? When they go public, will they just be like any other company? It seems like it has morphed and will continue to morph into a more staid real estate company with a more traditional CEO. But it's WeWork, so I will not put money down on that. (laughs) That's all for today, Wednesday, March 3rd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode from Elliot Brown. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.